1: Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon.
2: And we're on, and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. It's, you know, not a winning edition because it's the third loss in a row, although we'll talk about it. Simon Klein is here. I'm here. We don't know where Chris Kaufman is. Uh, we're trying to locate them right now and we can't we will figure it out as we move forward but this show is brought to you by manscape use promo code 5 rsn you get 20 percent off your entire order uh price picks if you're involved with price picks right now first of all you got to deposit you deposit a hundred dollars and they give you a hundred dollars right away if you use the promo code five f-i-v-e it's a one-time rollover which means they're essentially just handing you a hundred dollars for signing up but if you are on prize picks right now, you get the 12 days of Pixmas, which means they give you a new promotion every single day. Today, you can play the players that have a Christmas sweater on. And if you play them and you bet them over or under, they're boosting your payoff by double the odds. So if it's two to one, now you get four to one. Uh, I have Aaron Rodgers over 223 yards passing. How do I look, Simon? Bad or good? Sounds good to me. Okay, sounds good. All right. And, of course, Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com slash the number five reasons, and you get $25 just for signing up. All right, Simon, we we, we got to get into this. Okay. It was the rivalry is back. I was going to start with some jokes about, you know, what a great game, and then I are going to get into Minnesota-Indianapolis <laughs> on Saturday, which was all kinds of insane as well. How When you go up 33 to nothing and you lose, like, everybody should fire, right? Everybody should get fired, right down to the ball boy, the the training staff, uh, everybody, right? Because it, it's almost impossible, especially since it happened and not even an entire game. It happened in a half, and really only a quarter and a half. So, but to hell with that game. We're going to talk Dolphins, Bills. That was fun. The only thing that wasn't fun was the final score. Uh, your feeling on that game, Simon.
3: Uh good game. I mean, you don't win any uh you don't win any cookies for no. moral victories or for coming second. There's no participation trophies. But actually I thought that the team proved something that they could hang, you know, in cold weather, on the road, in a playoff atmosphere, in a playoff kind of game against a really good team, arguably the best team in the league, certainly the best team in the AFC. Absolute mutant at quarterback. Um, and really it came down to whoever had the ball last. And quite frankly, the Dolphins had missed opportunities um on offense to win the game, you know, the two drops uh in the early drive by Tyreek Hill and Trent Sherford on back to back plays. And then, you know, after getting the touchdown to go up to take the lead 26, 21, was it after the Tyreek touchdown? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then get the ball back at midfield after the the strip sack from Jalen Phillips and the the recovery from Christian Wilkins only to have go three and out was a you know massive blow because you score a touchdown there. Um, did they go three and out or did they keep the field goal regardless to I think they went three and out and they kicked the field goal on the next drive didn't they um uh so,
2: no on that play on uh I believe when they when they got the strip sack you're talking about right yeah okay yeah then when they got the strip sack they got a they got a field goal on that drive they got they one first been? down then they went three and out
3: that's right I think to get to to if they scored a touchdown I think that's game over on that on that drive and I just think that was a, a, a bit of a missed opportunity really um But overall, I thought it was a really good game. It was, you know, deserving of the Saturday night primetime slot. I thought the team played well. I think there were some coaching issues, both on offense and on defense. You know, Mike McDaniel seemed to get just too cute um, on some of those third down calls. I, I, I haven't checked the stat, but somebody tweeted me to say that, did you see that the Dolphins, I think, had 100 and whatever it was, 157 yards rushing. 7.9 yards per carry going into the fourth quarter and then had one carry for one yard uh in the fourth quarter which kind of sums it all up really um if that is true um but certainly some coaching breakdowns um defensively some coaching breakdowns either but he, I mean it's the it's the thing that that's really frustrating about the the Josh Boyer defense because because actually I think they hold up pretty well for the majority of the time especially when you consider all the players that are out hurt but it's just in the big moments you know the, the last play before the half a third and 23 the inability just to to get off the field in critical moments you know that you kind of felt like that last drive um know, when buffalo scored it felt a bit inevitable that they were going to drive down the field to to win mm. um or you know to be able to kick the field goal and i think they had a second and 23 which they converted um on that drive which was really frustrating and i, I think you know that's the thing that you know Certainly upsets fans, and you know, you can't. You know, I've defended Josh Boyer, but you can't, um, because some of those things you can't defend, um, you know, and, and just that critical inability to get off the field in massive moments, um, is frustrating and ultimately costs us the game. The inability just to punch in a couple of touchdowns where we up for field goals, um, you know, felt a bit like the Cincinnati game in that respect, in terms of that drop by Chase Edmonds in the end zone that we set up for the field goal. But overall, I thought the team played really well. Special teams were excellent. Thomas morsted has been brilliant all season. Jason Sanders seems to have got over the hump. Um, running he game was, was he was
2: he was kicking that ball hard, yeah, far, lost. fast. It, it, he looked great yeah, on he on did. Saturday night. Indeed. To the um, point to the point where he um, uh, Mike McDaniel told Danny Crossman when we got that ball when we got the ball back on the strip sack, okay, and we ended up with a field goal. Okay. And then the following drive, when it was, uh, when they tied it 29 29, Dolphins are driving down uh, to a hit, Cedric Wilson for 21 yards on the fade. And they got to the 40 yard line. Uh, Mike McDaniel said that he spoke to Danny Crossman. And he said, We're good from 52. And Danny Crossman says, We're golden from 52. Yeah. So, like, they were willing to kick a field goal from 52 yards in with Jason Sanders. So that tells you the confidence that they had in him. I also have a lot of confidence in Christopher Kaufman. Really? Because he always seems to show up. And guess who? I don't see why.
3: Oh, Christopher Kaufman. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> the, man, the, yeah. myth, the, the man, the myth, the, the legend.
2: <laughs> well, Chris, yeah. I, already asked, I already asked Simon, and we went on and on about the game. But you know, what did you feel as you were watching this game? I started off the show by saying, the rivalry is back on and it's going to be a fun two, three, four years for however long this, you know, this tip for tat is going to go, but you know, I enjoyed everything about the game except the final score. Uh, your thoughts on the game?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's funny because if you really work out through all the playoff machines and stuff like that, and you, you kind of go through the path of least resistance as far as what, you know, who's going to win what game and the, Go through the whole thing. Um, we're going to have a rematch. You know, we might have a rematch up in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills in in the playoffs. You know, if the Dolphins are able to take care of business in the the next three games, which I I do believe that there's a fair chance of that happening. Um, so it's 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 interesting. It's yes, you mentioned this. There's rivalry, and it's it started back up, and it's a real rivalry now. We're playing them. We're playing them tight, um, you know. I think that I was I was watching uh, or I was looking at earlier the um, the the statistics. You know that the passing game has, in particular, against the Buffalo Bills in the two games, and um, and I think that it is it is interesting what this offense. You know, as much as as much as Josh Allen is total kryptonite for this defense and has been since um, you know well since his second – since even his second game as a rookie, but, you know, for the most part in the, in the Brian Flores and post-Flores, Josh Boyer era, um, Josh Allen has been, you know, lights out against the Dolphins over and over again. I think he's maybe had one bad game and, like, you know, you can, you can, you can take aside, like, one game and say statistically it didn't look that good, but I think, you know, on the field it looked better. Um, I think, buddy, I think he's he's had like basically one bad outing against us. And um, and with Buffalo being such a strong team, and at this point you just have to give it up for Josh Allen and say, yeah, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and we're going to be playing in the division with one of the best quarterbacks in the league for a long time yet again. So all roads in the division go through Buffalo. And, um, and so that's the concerning thing about the defense is, even if you take aside that the defense is literally – probably the worst in the uh, in the AFC um, you have to look at the fact that they cannot slow down but this this defense this defensive style does not have a history of slowing down Josh Allen at all and um, that is a big problem that's like uh, that's like when when New England had Tom Brady and um, and and you're not you know you're not formulating your team or you're not you're not trying to beat the Patriots, you know. Um, I think that uh, I think that we are we need to be formulated to try and beat the uh, Buffalo Bills, and unfortunately, that probably does mean a change of defensive coordinator after the year is over, um, and, and, and a new system altogether. But um, but watching the game, it was fun, you know. It was it was a competitive game. Um, I thought a lot of my fears about how the game was going to go really got set aside very early, pretty early in the game, you know, offensively speaking. Um, and I saw what they were doing on the ground. I saw the, uh, the imagination that went into it, the, um, the multiplicity that went into the ground game. Uh, and you know, the commitment might not have been there, uh, still, uh, you know, it's not like they were overzealous with the run game, uh, against the, against the Buffalo bills, but, um, but it was, it was a balanced attack. It was um, thoughtful. Um, uh, there was variety. And, uh, and uh, you know, overall, it just it looked like the offense was getting back on track, uh, if only the defense was. And I think that uh, th- it's interesting to hear Simon talk about, you know, the, the situations on defense because this is a situational defense. You know, this defense is not built necessarily – To be, you know, just just lights out on every play. This defense is built to force the offense into situations where we can get a beat on what they need to do because of the situation that they're in, and then we can capitalize. The defense can capitalize on their predictability and their um and and the fact that you know there are there are things that are shut down. Uh, from the offenses, um, I guess uh, play sheet, and that's not working at all. The situations are exactly what's killing us, and that is very damning to me of the um, the coaching staff, uh, the defensive coaching staff, because that's not what this defense is built for. It's built to be the exact opposite. Um, so I think that uh, I think that it is concerning, and and you you do have to kind of wonder at this point. Um, if this is the team that can, you know, can can go on a hot streak through the playoffs and, and get us all the way there. Um, and so, you know, in that way, there's there's some disappointment. Uh, but at the same time, we went through a really a multi-game, a multi-game uh, cyclical downswing. And, and I think that started at the bye week. I don't know whether they were, you know – reading their own press clippings or, uh, or just just focusing on resting rather than retooling or whatever. but they came out against the Texans and they kind of um, they kind of you know jogged out to a lead in the first half and then played an atrocious half of the second half of football. Mm-hmm. and then um, and then the San Francisco game, you know but they were in denial about that because hey, we won, we won by a lot. you know we, we, we're good, we're fine. Um, but then the San Francisco game, he comes and they lose that game, and um, and I think they were still in denial about it. I think they were still, you know, well, okay, well, we dropped a game, but you know, there was stuff out all over the place out there, and uh, it, it was really just, it was just all to it. It was just he had a bad game, whatever, you know. It's not going to happen again, you know, so on and so forth. Which, which I, if you've heard me speaking over the last three weeks, you know that I disagree hard. On that, but um, but I think that they were in denial about that, and then they had the game against the Chargers, and that was rock bottom. You know, you can't deny anything at that point anymore no, with the way that game played out. And so they spent the week retooling, and it was clear from the offensive play calling uh, in this Buffalo game, and the overall, I, I think the uh, the overall, you know, focus of certain players in the game. It was clear that they got the message about the Chargers game, and they they started to you know to get back into the swing of things. And um, sometimes you don't win right away, even when you start even when you start picking yourself up out of the um, uh, out of the dirt. And uh, they did not win this game, but it was a playoff type of atmosphere. It felt like a playoff type of game. They're in the snow and twenty degree weather in Buffalo. Um, Josh Allen is being who he always is against us, and yet. We lose by a walk-off field goal at the very end. We had an eight-point lead in the fourth quarter at one point. Um, should have been a two-score lead if uh, you know if two guys can catch the ball and catch you know really well-thrown balls in the end zone. Um, and you know, I think that uh, I think that that gives us a lot of confidence that hey, we are going to be looking at a play or a wild card spot going into somebody's home, uh, you know, stadium with a, a high-energy crowd. Um, and, and possibly some weather conditions. And this gives us a ton of play, or a ton of confidence, I should say, uh, that they will handle that okay, you know? And I, I think that that's important. But at the same time, I think we're, we're starting to get into a full focus of the shortcomings of this team and the shortcomings that ultimately are, are not going to bring us bring us home, you know, the, the trophy uh, this year. So, um, you know, it's it's a little bit, I guess, uh, you know, bitter. I'd say bittersweet, except, you know, there's no sweet because we didn't win the game. But but um, but it was it was promising in one sense, but also, you know, kind of kind of a little bit kind of a little bit still sad in another sense. Uh, I don't think this defense is fixing itself anytime before the, the end of the year. And Byron Jones's absence does not explain it. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but at the same time, I do think they're pulling themselves out last time we hit, we pulled ourselves out of a three game losing streak, they won five straight. So, uh, I think they're going to take care of business next week against the Packers, probably against the, the New England Patriots. And then, uh, on the road and then we'll you know we'll see that big Week 18 matchup against um against the New York Jets and a, a staff full of coaches that Mike McDaniel says is you know second only to the 49ers as far as ever in the fact that he knows everybody on that staff and respects everybody on that staff. Um,
2: it's going to be pretty simple uh, going forward. Uh, Jets lose to the Jaguars on 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 Thursday. Dolphins win the next two, they clinch a playoff spot and then that game against the Jets could be for seeding anywhere from 5 to seven, so well, game. but but you gotta win it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you gotta win the next two. You gotta win the next two. You, you know what I mean? You win the I mean, next I'm two, you clinch it. early. You
3: I'm know? looking at where's oh and O. We've got a three game season now. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's yeah.
2: pretty. It's as simple as you can get. It. You win two out of the three, you're in. You you're lose two, two out of the in. three, you're probably out.
3: There's a there's a scenario where you lose two and you beat the Jets and go one and two and still get in. So
2: yeah, sure. the
3: interesting thing for me is that you know you look at it. I mean, yeah, we played brilliantly against the Bills, but you know, if the playoffs were today, we'd, we'd play the Chiefs, right? But actually, you know, I wouldn't fancy necessarily going to Kansas City. I wouldn't really fancy going to Cincinnati. But of the rest of the teams, you know, if we had to go to Tennessee, there's nothing much about the Titans that scares me. If we had to go to the Ravens again, especially without Lamar, nothing much that scares me. I don't think the Chargers would beat us again. And then you know, I think we beat the Patriots. I think we beat the Jets. I think we beat the Jaguars. And even if the Jaguars toppled the the Titans, I'd actually be more scared of the Jags, I think, than I would be of Tennessee.
2: Yeah, well, they're they're hot and their quarterbacks playing yeah. at a high level now. Yeah,
3: Lawrence playing out of his mind at the moment. But you know, I don't. Apart from Cincinnati and the Chiefs, you know, let's say the Bills are out of it for the first round because they're the you know, I don't. I, I wouldn't be scared necessarily of going on the road and beating any of those teams. That's huh? true. Get but him. can we can they string together three of them? That's
2: the thing. Yeah, that's the problem. But
3: momentum's a funny thing, Chris, isn't it? You just, it just doesn't take much. Yeah. does it? You know, let's say let's say we beat Green Bay, beat New England, beat the Jets. You know, we're the hot team. We're one of the hot teams heading into the playoffs. You know, mm-hmm. and let's say you end up on the road against Tennessee and you beat the Titans. Well, hello, now we're in the division championship and we've beaten four. We've, we've won four straight. You know, mm-hmm. and actually, you know. We'd have won what five, nine. We'd be nine and three over the last twelve games. If you if you wanted to look at it like that, yeah, that would be
1: That's That that's fair point. But um, but at the same time, I mean, can can you imagine? Can you imagine stringing it together in the playoffs with this defense?
2: Probably not. Probably not. Well, they're gonna gonna, they need one guy desperately, and we're gonna talk about some of the individual players. The offense can get hot. We've seen it, right? I, you know
3: who who you know I I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about having to match up with you know Traylon Burks and uh, and Westbrook Akina and you know those guys in Tennessee right with the guys that we've got on the back right, end right. I wouldn't worry about the Ravens because you know they've got the worst receiving core in the league Chargers you know I thought we you know we played them pretty well sometimes you know you look at that throw from Herbert last night to set up the winning field goal some things you just can't quantify but again you kind of fancy them against those you know you wouldn't feel like outmatched against those. Mm. Those receivers, I think when you talk about Cincinnati, you know, if, if Higgins and Boyd and and obviously um, Chase, Mixon, they're all healthy, you know, especially on the back end that, you know, that's putting an awful lot of pressure onto Bethel and Crossan and Kohu who've all been, to be fair to them, they've all been magnificent given, you know, <laughs> their standing. But that's an awful lot of pressure to think, you know, say to Keita to Kohu, Buddy. You know, you've either got Jamar Chase or you've got T Higgins. Go, good luck with that. You know? well, well, in this Tee game,
2: and we're, 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 we got to go to a break right now. But the, speaking of Kohu, there was a play, and I'm going to talk about it on the second half of the show. But first, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find words coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954 579 356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- 579-0356 or visit their website at wcufl.com water cleanup of florida if you have the schmutz they have the guts and we're back and as promised we're going to talk about some of these players uh there was a play cater Kohu, and that he made in the end zone against stefan diggs which was ridiculous he was in bump and run coverage all the way breaks it up at the point of you know he face guarded him perfectly like you know unfortunately he didn't do that at the end of the game but he face-guarded him perfectly, broke it up. And then if you watch the replay of the game, I mean, of that play, uh, somehow we had Cater Kohu on Stefan Diggs in the slot one-on-one with no help anywhere. Speaking of help, I think they needed Eric Rowe in this game because Dawson Knox, you know, ripped us apart. Uh, your thoughts on how the back-end played, uh, Simon, because they were they – were, uh, I could swear I could see Josh Boyer running around with Band-Aids. Uh, at one point they had they had Justin Bethel out there playing. Essentially, was like a big nickel, and he was locked up on Dawson Knox. He actually made a play. Uh, I don't know that they obviously need help back yeah. there. I don't think it's coming this year, but they they could have they could have used Derek Rowe. Do you yeah, agree? Definitely.
3: Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, let, let's 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 look at it. Let's break it down. Okay, number one corner is playing on obviously playing hurt you, you can see by his movement that he's playing hurt right the number 2 cornerback is out probably for the year the number 3 cornerback is out with a torn Achilles you know the number 4 cornerback is out with a torn ACL you know we're down, we're down to essentially two special teams guys in Keon Cross and Justin Bethel I mean but Bethel played more snaps in the Pittsburgh game than he on defense and he played in four seasons
2: uh, with <laughs> yes. Patriots
3: you know that tells you and the other guy who's playing almost, you know, I think Co who played every defensive snap or almost every defensive snap is an undrafted free agent from Texas A&M Commerce, which is a school I'd never even heard of until we drafted him. <laughs> okay, that's the corners. The safeties, we're, number one safety is sort of playing a slightly different role because he's being forced to do it. The number two safety is out for the season with the torn Achilles. Number three safety, Eric Rowe is missing on Sunday. Uh, uh, on oh, Saturday, sorry. And then you're down to... You know, Elijah Campbell as well is out. You're down to Clayton for who nobody wants to see on the field. You know, unless it's special. Who teams. played
2: snaps too on third down? I know
3: Iganane was playing. Uh, you know, a little bit hybrid safety court. I mean, it, we can talk all we like about Josh Boyer, and yet there are s- certainly issues. But my God, you know the the job that's being done on the back end by that coaching staff, especially the secondary coaches, just to keep them afloat. You know, and don't forget, on Saturday night you're playing, I think it's Josh Allen, but also Stephon Diggs, um, you know, Gabe Davis, Beasley's back, Isaiah McKenzie. They've got backs out the backfield that can catch the ball, all catch the ball really well, the tight end's excellent, you know, and
2: I must admit, have- I had a, a, a awful feeling of dread when Cole Beasley caught that first pass from Josh Allen. I was like, Oh no, <laughs> it's back. Oh yeah. man. Yeah, Noigmanagony played thirty-three snaps yeah I mean had, had two tackles yeah. yeah I gotta dig I into think... Noig Benogany because like maybe he's good I don't know <laughs> maybe no, he's turned I, I it around
3: I don't think he's good but I mean I, I can only remember him getting beaten once if he played 33 snaps I mean you know that's not that's not bad
2: he's given up a 67.9 passer rating this year in coverage It's best on the team by the way uh, I'll talk about another guy Javon Holland and I think that they found something to start the second half. They started playing him. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you could call that Buck linebacker. I thought
3: that was his best game maybe of the season, but certainly in the last six or eight weeks. And if
2: you notice, then I'll get Chris on this, because they went away from this. But for mo- for the most part, when Josh Allen just starts rolling, he makes your linebackers look like clowns. Because, first of all, he's bigger than all of them. <laughs> all right? So he could run through tackles from Alandon Roberts and Jerome Baker. And Duke Riley, sometimes he could run right past people like he did on uh, against Duke Riley for that big run at the end of the game. Uh, but all of a sudden, when you started playing Javon Holland on the line, kind of in that buck linebacker role where he was kind of spying on Josh Allen and Josh Allen was trying to leave the pocket. Like, all of a sudden, we look like equals on the same field because our guy is just as athletic as their guy, although he's not bigger and he's much smaller but he's a good tackler and he's more athletic than Josh Allen. It seemed like we kind of even, even the playing field right there. And then we went completely away from it. Uh, your thoughts on what Javon, how- on Javon Holland, how he played and how they played against Josh Allen.
1: Well, so one thing you have to keep in mind about J- Javon Holland is, you know, for, for all, you know, the, the stuff about playing in, in a bunch of different spots. I mean, he's, If you go through it, I mean, he's he's playing he's playing, you know, 40 to upwards of 70 snaps a game at free safety. I mean, he is he is he is playing deep safety position um, a lot, you know, which is which is what uh, what I think what I think you kind of want with him. Um, It was an interesting idea that they had to sort of bring him down and uh, and and have him sort of fake fake a coverage and then end up being the spy for, uh, for Josh Allen. And that was nice. Um, but overall, I mean, he gave up, he gave up that big play in the end zone too. I mean, you have to, you have to say it. Um, Mm. and when you look at all these guys and you say, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're playing well, but, not every play. And, and then you look at the scoreboard in his 30 plus and it's, you know, and, and it's like, you know, everybody, everybody's playing well, except for a couple of plays and there's just too much pressure on the individual players to be perfect. There's too much pressure on an Xavier Howard to be, um, to be perfect when in a year where he's, you know, obviously going through something physically, how much and how detrimental it is. You know, I, I don't really know. Only he would be able to tell you that, or only the Dolphins staff would be able to tell you that, but you know, we're, we're talking about, we're talking about all the injuries and the players and who's out there. I'm not buying it because Eric Rowe has missed one game this year and it was a healthy, you know, before this game, it was, it was a healthy scratch. You know, he he was, he was healthy for the game. You know, he just, he just missed it. Um, They've been playing without Nick Needham. That is true. But you know what? I'll be damned if Cater Coho, Coho isn't giving us what Nick Needham gives us. You know, I've, I've seen what Nick Needham gives us. Okay. Cater Coho has given us that. You know, Xavier Howard has fallen off a cliff, but he's got too much being put on him. Um, you know, I, I just – I'm not buying this this excuse that, you know, that, that it's it's all injuries and that's, that's what takes you from a good defense down to the worst defense in the AFC. You know and that's that's what we're facing we're facing with uh, with the Dolphins defense this year and I think it's it's got to be it's a scheme because you know and, and here's the tell when if you know what this scheme is about, if you know what this team this defense is about this style is about in terms of the pressure the um, the, the zero blitz looks and all of that stuff you know what that's about and you find yourself midseason having to trade for Bradley Chubb, so that you don't do that anymore, and you're going away from the identity of your defense to just try something um, on the fly. That tells, I, I think, that tells you a lot of what you need to know about whether this uh, this this style can continue with this um, with this defense and this team and this division against these opponents. And I don't think it can. And and so I, I don't think you're gonna, you know, I don't think you're gonna be sitting here next year. With Josh Boyer, um, you know, again having this this uh, this debate back and forth all the time with how much is he going to blitz this game? Uh, are our defensive linemen, who we know to be very talented, who we see them being very very talented on the field? Um, are they actually going to get home when we when we uh, rush only four? Uh, I think that there's something about there, there's something that's there's a one plus one plus one that's not adding up to three here. And I think that uh, that that that's the real problem that I'm seeing uh, in the Dolphins defense right now, because they shouldn't be this bad. You know, I get that some sometimes a guy misses a player, but, you know, you look across the league, you see the injuries all over the place. Yeah. All right. The, the Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills played us without the first time around, without both of their safeties. Wasn't what the their corners missing, too. I mean, it's it's it's. Injuries happen all over the all over the NFL. It doesn't mean that you you become you automatically become the worst defense in the AFC. You know that. I, so I I think that you know yes Josh Allen had another great game against us. He seems to always have a great game against us. That's part of the problem. Um. You know yes I, I think that this season you know Byron Jones his absence Brandon Jones his absence I mean, Brandon Jones heading into the year let's be honest Brandon Jones was not was not any kind of marquee name at the safety position. Um, You know, Nick Needham was a good nickel corner, a decent to good nickel corner uh, that has been replaced by Kader Kohu, who who, you know has been a decent nickel corner. You know, uh, we haven't had Byron Jones. And yes, I understand that defense is sort of built to have two guys like Xavier Howards and Byron Byron Jones. But isn't that part of the problem? You know, isn't that part of the problem now? Because you're not going to have Byron Jones next year. And apparently you're not going to have Xavier Howard next year. Or at least not the Xavier Howard we know and love. Um, so you know, it's it's really you really start to get. I mean, I, I understand like defending and defending Josh Boyer, and it's never really as simple as we tend to make it about the coaches and just you know just uh, dogpiling on them. But at the same time, this is a problem, and uh, and this is uh, this is becoming a persistent problem, and I'm not seeing a solution in sight within this structure and uh and that includes for this year going on the going on the pl- into the playoffs and potentially going on the road and having to face guys like josh allen patrick mahomes you know um or joe burrow and those those passing attacks i think simon is absolutely right about about teams like tennessee titans i think even the chargers they you know a little humility here they they whooped us you know they 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 solidly beat us you know, so a, a little humility here because you know we we can't we can't walk into that game assuming we'd win it, but at least I think we could compete. Um, you know, some of these other guys in the playoffs in a playoff setting, I, I don't think we can even compete with. You know, uh, there's part of me that thinks we're not even going to be able to compete with them uh, it, because and it's because of this defense. You know, and and so it it sucks, but um, but yeah, that's that's where we're heading right now.
2: Well, the defense has shown that they can stop conventional runs against anybody anywhere on on the road or at home. So I like them against Tennessee. Uh mm-hmm. they can't play mm-hmm. the Chargers by the way because the Chargers are not overtaking the the Chiefs. They can only play the Chargers like down the road. Uh maybe in the second round. Like may, maybe they play the the Chargers in the second round. Uh let me see. Uh there has to be an upset. Like one uh, like the 2 seed or the 3 right. seed has would, to go down.
1: It would be it'd be second round. You're, yeah. you're you're correct about that.
2: Yeah, so our first round opponent is going to be the loser of and that's a good thing by the way that there's going to be a race for the one seed event because um they get to do our dirty work for us cuz they get to beat up on everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> you talking know what about i mean?
3: Overall, I was talking about overall playoffs rather than like, I know we obviously can't play them in the first round.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I I agree. I I'm with Simon on that. Like I'm talking about overall playoffs like say we do get past the first round, like what are our realistic chances of of burning through the playoffs? Here?
2: Yeah, and we got to get into one of these players because that's what everybody's talking about. It, it wouldn't be a Miami Dolphins season if somebody wasn't looking for a scapegoat and you know, I didn't want to be one of these dipshit teams that, you know, one part of the of the team falters or be, due to injury or they just play poorly and they just, okay, let's just fire everybody on the defensive staff. But I tend to agree with Chris in this regard. There's good players on this defense and there's I, I can't find many teams that have a better edge rotation than the Miami Dolphins have. And one player that is now getting the brunt of, of the fans' ire is Bradley Chubb. Uh Jalen Phillips was spectacular in that game. He was kind of non-existent in the first half, but in the second half, he couldn't be blocked. And forget about Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. We know who those guys are. Zach Sealer, especially in this game, was a menace for their running game, and he provided pressure almost. Consistently, almost all day for all the snaps that he for the snaps that he played. But Bradley Chubb, aside from a couple of quarterback hits, like didn't make an impact. And you know, you pay a hundred million dollars to the guy to the guys that are going to make an impact. uh Your thoughts on his game, Simon, and how it's gone for Bradley Chubb so far?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I didn't love Chubb in Denver. I've got to say, uh I didn't love him coming out. um I think he plays hard. I think he plays with hustle, but. I don't think that he plays particularly within the structure. Um I think he is a almost exclusively wide rusher who or a bull rusher who gives up the inside way too easily so I think he can be beaten on the inside. Um and at the moment he's just struggling and you, when you think about you paid 100 million 110 million and gave up the first round pick for him uh, that's a concern. Um he I mean I think at one point the commentator referred to him as Nick Chubb. um, (laughs) And at that that point, you'd rather have Nick Chubb rushing the passer than Bradley Chubb. Um, I think it was on on the touchdown at the end of the first half. But um, at the moment, it certainly looks like a not a great trade. And, um, you know, it's a struggle at the moment. The one thing I would say, and I'll need to look at the numbers, I'd be intrigued to know how many sacks the Dolphins have had since Chubb arrived. Not Bradley Chubb sacks. But just generally, because I suspect there is a sense of he is beginning to open up opportunities for other people to get to the quarterbacks. Now I've seen somebody say that we've had twenty sacks since he joined. Um so I'll try and get the numbers out before the end of the show. Um but it would be interesting to see whether or not he's having an effect not by getting to the quarterback himself, but by his presence, which certainly wouldn't surprise me just by, you know, teams rolling over a guard or chipping a tight end or those sorts of things. Uh, is then allowing you know other players the opportunity to get to the quarterback, so I'll have a look at that. But overall, it's not been great.
2: No, has not. And one guy that has been great, and and I guess you know we'll finish up on the defense here before we move on to to the offense and their identity. But Chris, uh, I, I, you know, nobody can argue. Like we all agree, Christian Wilkins is now. A, you know, he was a top ten defensive tackle in my opinion. Coming into the year, top 10, you know, Brenton Buckner class, let's say, but not the elite class, man. I think he's, he's in the elite class. Now I think he's a top five defensive tackle. We know Zach sealers really, really good. Jalen Phillips is coming on and you know, he couldn't be blocked in that second half. He was having a great second half. He's just not as athletic as Josh Allen and that's not, you know, and he's a really good athlete, but you know, Josh Allen is, he's a super athlete for that size. So you know, he, he's not the same guy. We kind of like Jerome Baker. Bradley Chubb, we established, as a really expensive guy. Melvin Ingram has had a monster year, and he's a guy that you just got to bring back. He's good against the run. He's going to rush the passer well. He's strong. Uh, Yeah, there's way too much talent, and you, you, I, I, I get the, the feeling like you can't put your finger on it, and it has to be scheme, but, you know, is it as simple as, you know, these guys just have to get to the quarterback for this defense to work, because they're actually doing that. If you look at their numbers the last few weeks, and they're still giving up points on the road, they're an that's, awful defense on the road. That's, and- that's
1: precisely the point, though, isn't it? I mean, it, what when you're looking at a defense where every where it feels like everything has to go perfect? You know, everybody has to be lights out on every play in order to not end up giving up thirty plus. You know, like, like what's, what's, what's going on here? What's, why is this, why is one and one and one not adding up to two here? And, and that's, that's what I think we're seeing uh, uh, on the defensive line, even with, because I, frankly, I don't think Bradley Chubb's played that pat. You know, I, I've, I've watched him, I've watched him play. I've watched him against the, um, the opposing offensive tackles. He, he dominates a lot of plays. Like he, he, he does. I mean, you can tell when a guy is winning. Right. You know, you can tell when a guy is going up against uh, against blockers and winning and doing a good job. Um, he's generally doing a good job. And frankly, you know, his pressure is pressure stats. Like, uh, I think he's had 21 pressures um, in, uh, in since he's gotten here. And I, I think pro football focus has him at like um, like 190 pass rush snaps or something. Um, he, right. What's on. that? Yeah. So but, right, and right. to Simon's point. the the number you're looking for yes it is 20 sacks that they've had since he arrived um in the six games uh whereas they had 15 sacks in the previous eight games right so um so we're we're getting we're getting more pressure we're getting more pressure with four we're um we're getting uh we're getting more sacks uh you know i think that there's there's things that are happening that are good that way but you're like okay well But why does everybody have to be perfect on every single play in order to not give up 30 points? You know, and and I think that that's that's what we're looking at. And that's what we're trying to figure out. And I think that there's a mentality issue. If you're if you're if your defensive identity and your mentality is built on something, which is like, you know, this blitz packaging stuff. um, And then and then you're trying to switch it up. Um, then I think that there's something missing there in terms of in terms of uh, the, the overall just comfortability with the players in the scheme and uh, the energy and, um, and and being able to swarm uh, the ball. And I think that um, I think that that's that's something that we we're going to have to look at in the offseason. But I mean, I, I think that honestly, I, I I've looked at I've watched him, you know, Bradley Chubb is playing some pretty good football. Jalen Phillips is playing some pretty good football. Christian uh, Wilkins is playing really great football. You know, uh, Zach Sealer, we know plays really great football, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. What's wrong here? What's wrong with this picture? You know? And, and, and so that's, that's the question that we have to ask ourselves. And you're almost like, you know, they only blitzed uh, Josh Allen eight times, I think in the game. And thank God, because they blitzed him, I think 40, 40% of the time in the first game. And, Uh, That was a big mistake, and um, and I I think I shared with you on the preview episode something like you know the disparity of his passer rating against our blitz plays in the first game versus non blitz plays was was just just stark. And sure enough, like we blitzed him eight times, and I think I think I think Josh Allen had like a you know a ridiculous. I think I think we blitzed him eight times, and he got two touchdowns out of the eight 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 snaps. (laughs) you know, like, like that's So, so thank God, thank God we dialed it back. But at the same time, it's like, do we have a defense that schematically, you know, I I always wondered about this even before we traded for, for Chubb, you know, are we allowing, are we allowing these defensive players to really um, to really kind of uh, have agency over their own rush and have a, you know, set guys up, set blockers up and such because, this is a, this is a scheme heavy defense, right? This is a very, some defenses are not scheme heavy at all. We just played one Leslie Frazier. Um, You know, this is a scheme heavy uh, defense. And when it's scheme heavy and, and you have so much being dictated from upstairs, it makes me wonder if the players are, you know, really have the agency to, to, um, to make decisions out there and to set guys up and to take advantage of it or, or if they're just always, they're always getting the call from downstairs and they're always very limited in what they're allowed to do, you know, or, or and, and I think that, um, I think that that's something that we have to look at. That's what I mean by, you know, there's something missing uh, in terms of the mismatch between how we're trying to play these guys now versus how they're built to play or, or how they have been built to play since Brian Flores arrived in 2019. Um you know, that's, that's something, that's something that we really have to look at, but you know, cause, cause we saw a made plays out there. All the defensive lineman made plays out there. Uh, Jerome Baker made some plays out there. Um, you know, and, and Javon Holland made plays out there and, uh, and you know, and, and you have Xavier and Howard back there, but, um, and, and yet you, you allowed 30, 32 points, like something's not adding up.
2: Yeah. Um, we're going to move on to the offense. Uh, that thing going around where, and I've seen it uh, as well, Simon. That we only run ran one time. First of all, we only had nine offensive snaps in the fourth quarter. We had two drives, two possessions. Uh, I'm not counting the field goal because the field goal is the field goal, and I'm not counting the punt. Okay, they had nine, and they had nine snaps. They ran it three times, so six passes, three runs. Moster had three runs for 18 yards. He had an 11 yard run, a six yard run to start the field goal drive. And then he had a one-yard run when they got the ball. Uh, when they were driving, they started at their own 25. Uh, Tua went to to Tyreek Hill for 13 yards. Then Tua hit Cedric Wilson for 21 yards on the fade. Then they ran it with Mostert to the Buffalo 41. Uh, then they ran the, the screen pass, second and nine, at the Buffalo 40, because it was respotted. And then it was third and 12. And it, it would have not mattered because uh, Tua threw it to Waddle. I felt that he got held there, but there was a penalty yeah, was, on Miami was, anyway.
1: He's pretty well mugged on that play, I thought.
2: Yeah, but I don't think it would have it not mattered because it was an illegal it mattered, yeah It wouldn't have mattered. The they the could have thrown that flag. It would have been play. offsetting penalties anyway. So
3: yeah. The entire play by play, out, just because I'm sure that's what the listeners definitely want to hear.
2: Yeah, well, uh, now they have it because it, it's been a theme all week. Oh, my God. I think you it's know,
3: a damning indictment, actually, even more so than one carry for one yard in that we ran the ball three times, averaging six yards per carry in a fourth quarter on the road in the snow when we had the lead, and then we went away from it and threw six times. Uh, that that to me is you know,
2: yeah. But uh, oh, but uh, but but what but. about
1: okay? So so and this is interesting too because you know looking at that the drive like the, it was, I think it was it must been our must been our our final drive offensively where you know we we didn't we didn't get the job done. Um, you know. If, if we're looking at at it, at that drive, uh, there were some there were some good um, there were some good plays, you know, good throws I should say. You know, first for the drive, the drive starts with two straight throws by Tua Tungavilaua. You know what? He threw strikes. <laughs> they, they they had a nice 13 yarder to to Tyree Hill. He throws uh, he throws one um, in a one on one, you know, kind of mismatch situation to Cedric Wilson, who makes a brilliant play. On the ball, and then they run. They run the the ball with Raheem Moster for one yard, and then they throw a, a, a slant or not, uh, a, a sorry, screen, a screen Tyree kill um, that is uh, snuffed out for a minus three yards. I mean, like I'm seeing people on like uh, on Twitter and and so on and so forth. They're like, yeah, but what what was wrong with that drive? Was was that they you know they were aggressive and successful, and then they got unaggressive and and it killed the drive. You know, and and it's it's just it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing, and um and I you know I think that that's that's probably I mean I'm still I'm still fully of the belief that yeah Mike McDaniel doesn't stay committed, uh the way that he should, uh, even in this game, but um but it, it's funny how that can manifest in so many different ways, and uh and and I think that um you know in this that that drive in particular, with yeah. You know, nine minutes to go, starting at nine minutes to go, and and ending at six minutes to go. I mean, that's that's the um, that's an interesting, interesting. We're complaining about the running, the running game, the lack of running game, and stuff like that. But would you have rather run the ball for for six yards instead of getting that thirteen yard strike to Tyreek Hill on first down? Would you have rather run the ball for five yards instead of getting that that twenty one yard pass to Cedric Hill on on the second play of the drive? I mean, it was –
3: definitely know. rather run the ball than than those ridiculous four, third down calls absolutely i definitely well, well here's and the thing
2: 12? on on the field goal drive on the short okay. third downs oh the short third downs
3: i mean we had 23 passes and 22 rushes in the first quarter and then when we we're in the lead trying to kill the game we throw the ball seven times and just run it three times
1: yeah That's they really- have no faith in the offensive line converting a long one like you know a short a short one is different but it's clear that they don't have any faith in the offensive line being able to convert um, convert a you know a, a two yard situation or, or one
3: if one if to two. If my aunt had um if my had wheels, she'd be a bicycle. But I think um I think in hindsight, um having Jeff Wilson would have been a huge plus in that yeah. game.
2: On uh, yeah, I, and by I the way, the coach good. today said that Jeff Wilson was really and and Eric Rowe were really close to playing. Yeah, and if you watched uh, Jeff Wilson, uh, he was actually warming up two hours before the game, yeah. and he was I running on the field. So
3: I thought it was but, a big loss not to have a big back in the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just somebody and we talked about in the pod last week having the Michael P ride. but you know, just go through the, the the free agent running backs that you know, I, I'm sure there's somebody that could have you know even come off the street and just you know picked up a couple of first downs and shook. because we are really bad in short yardage situations generally, um, really bad uh
2: we gave it to engold one time and 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 he got it and he got a a a conversion so
3: um i just you know especially as you kind of come down the stretch on the road in cold games just having a big guy can just play you know like we said last week somebody that in the fourth quarter can just start to wear defensive fronts down and you know, just start hitting people and picking up three yards here and one yard there and, you know, whenever you need it just to, you know, there are some teams in the league, excuse me, who are outstanding in short yardage situations. Washington last night, for example, with, with Brian Robinson, you know, that's just, that's the kind of hammer that you kind of, we, we don't have. And, you know, it's great that most is there and, and Wilson acts more like a hammer, even though he's only 206 pounds. He plays much more physically, but just having a big old bruiser who can just come in and pick up a couple of yards when you need it is, you know, something I think we lack. And I, you know, I think Wilson would have made a really big difference on Saturday night.
2: Yeah. Well, people are complaining about mostly are, are those third and one and thirty-two calls. Um that field goal drive. They have the Tyreek touchdown, they go up 26, 21. Then they get the strip sack at the forty-seven. They recover it at the forty-seven. And here's the drive. Okay, because there's this the the fourth quarter has just started, and you're thinking to yourself, you go up, you know, another touchdown here, like they need two touchdowns, you kind of start feeling really good about this. But you'll take the field goal and go up eight, right? They face the third and one here, okay? Cause they get a first down on the first run with, with Mostert, and then that's when they stall out and they have a third and one. They ran that slip waggle play with uh Durham Smythe. They've ran that all year. It's been good all year. The Bills just blew it up, <laughs> you know. And that play happened at the twenty-seven yard line. Who knows if they convert that one, they go in. The next play, they kick the field goal. So, you know, if we, you know, do you want to run it right there on third and one? I tend to agree, yeah. But you know, the Bills were were, were beginning at this point in the fourth quarter. They were beginning to bring guys into the box, and what would you want to call against you know a heavy box on third and one? You know that 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 slip waggle screen to to one of our tight ends seems to work every yeah, time. Smart. Why
3: not? No, I, I, I'm never a fan of those fast breaking out routes against twitched twitched up corners. It's not to his best throw. I think he throws the the ten yard outs. Actually, ironically, I think he throws much better. You go back to that Jets game last year. That great third down throw to to Waddle the game this year earlier on, where he threw that amazing ball to Waddle, and sort of I can't remember who it was against, but sort of. Up high and above the hand by about half an inch of, of whichever team was I can't remember. Um, but I don't. To me, that's not his, that's not his forte. Those short and especially again when he's playing, you know, Trey White and, and Taron Jackson and Dane Jackson and, and those guys, twitchy corners you kind of know what's coming. I think and I just didn't like those calls. It just and the little slip screen to smile. I just. I I, I don't like it when you're getting a tight end and and forcing him to pick up yards with a catch at at or behind the line of scrimmage, which is essentially what that was. Mm. Um, I just didn't love those calls, I've got to say. It just felt like, as it has done a few times, certainly in the second half of the season, a bit like McDaniels just slightly overthinking things a little bit. He's just almost getting too cute with those sorts of things. And, you know, hopefully we get that shit straightened out. Well, with yeah, and-
1: that, one, with that one in particular, I gotta say, um, you know, the interesting thing is, you know, you, you can make the case, especially with this coach, the way he calls, you know, he, with with his fourth downs, he almost is like us playing Madden, you know, like we're just always going to go for it on fourth down. Um, but uh, but I think that uh, in this case, when you've got the long one, uh, you could do you can do well if it's a long one then I think that you, yeah, you do, you do dive. I don't care if it's an eight man box, you know, you do dive because you get half a yard and then it's a short, you know, uh, it's a half a yard left to get on fourth down. And it makes for uh, a call that, you know, that you, that is, that you can be reasonably confident in. And, um, and I think that, uh, you know, especially if you're up five points and looking to, to get up by more than one score, you know, I think that so you you have two you have two choices really on the third and one you can you can run it you can dive it straight in two straight times, knowing that you're probably going to get one you're probably going to convert on one of them, you know either the first one or the second one, or you can take a shot into the end zone on the third and one, knowing that you're going to go for it on fourth and one. You know what I mean? Like and and so uh, and, and instead, what you get is. You know, sign sort of an aim short, aim short, get short situation with that, you know, with that, uh, that Durham Smythe pass. Mm. And, you know, I, I I don't understand that. I'm with Simon,
3: I don't understand it. Since the Detroit game, as well, we seem to have stopped running that little play where the tight end or the fullback just comes in and just takes the snap, and uh, nobody could stop that. I think we, every time we ran it, we converted. And yeah, every okay. time we ran it, we
1: get like two yards. Yeah.
3: I know there's a sense of like, okay, teams know it's coming, but teams still and, can't stop it. So why have we, Alderson, stopped running it? It just again, that just yeah. seems.
2: No, and, I, and I'll say, and I'll say another thing. One thing that that, and, and I've been saying this for weeks, and I thought that it, we were going to see it in this game. We have really good ball carriers at in at the wide receiver position, and yeah. it's not only Cedric Tyreek Wilson's, and Jalen Waddle.
3: Cedric Wilson was a high school quarterback.
2: Yeah. Yes, we got Cedric Wilson. Sheffield is a physical yeah. runner, and he's 225 pounds. Man, why not get one of these guys out on the perimeter is whats is what I'm saying on one of these well, third and ones. Well, they they
1: they tried that, though. Uh, not third down. But, I mean, they tried they tried the screen, and it
2: got
3: blown up, you know? I but, would just whack uh, Sheffield in like they did with Ingold and Durham Smile and get him to take the snap. Well, same with Wilson.
2: Yeah. You one know? thing that was really interesting, I, I don't know if you guys saw the the Giants-Washington uh, – what are they now? Oh, they're the Commanders. I forgot. Yeah. The, the Giants-Commanders game last night, every time Washington was coming in with a heavy box – they did a very interesting thing. They were in a shotgun and Daniel Jones would step aside, which a lot of Giant fans would like to see him do anyway. But he would step aside and Saquon Barkley would take the ha- the the snap yeah. and they would run it until they got him out of it. So, you know, why not the, you know.
3: Who was I watching? Yet? Oh, Philadelphia, who ran and who essentially just had a left guard and the center and then moved the right the left tackle and a backup to that about eight, nine players on the line and Hertz took the snap from under center and just ran over left guard and scored because nobody was expecting it. It was yeah. just like, it was, I, I don't know. I just think it, it feels like McDaniel just does not trust short yardage, rushing situations. And yet with that specific play, the motioning tight end or the motioning fullback, taking the snap, picking up the first down, nobody stopped it. So why would we not continue to do it until somebody does stop it?
2: Yeah. And and why not Wildcat? Why not why not a wide receiver run? Like they they need to to get in the lab and devise something because trust me, there's gonna be third and ones in the playoffs. They're gonna be third and ones in these last three games that they're gonna have to pick up. And it can't be a fire drill, you know, every time that we've got to pick cool. up a third and one, you know? Which they're it seems like so that's what they were trying to do.
1: <laughs> they're so uncomfortable with the play calls on those um on those 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 situations, and you can tell you could see it all year.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so moving on. Uh, I guess you know there's not much else to to talk about. So, you know, and they did lose the game, so we're not gonna give away game balls. But I guess we could comment on the periphery on a on a few players. I thought, uh, and I'll 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 mention three players. Although we're not giving away game balls, Jason Sanders, way to go, buddy! <laughs> like you were hitting that ball, like that was great to see. Okay, uh, another guy I'm gonna give some love to Toronto arms that played a really strong game. If you rewatch it, he was really, really good. Either Greg Rousseau is not as good as people think he is. Or Teron Armstead was giving him a really, really hard time. And our guards handled at Oliver at Oliver did not play in the first game. In week three, he played in this one. He was non-existent in this one. So I don't know. I came away pretty happy with the way the offensive line played uh, your thoughts on, on, or any flowers you want to give, Simon?
3: I, I thought for his three carries, I thought, or oh, whatever it was, two carries, I thought Savan Ahmed played really well. Thought it was an excellent touchdown, just great quick feet, quick moving of his hips, just, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, a decent change of pace and certainly played well. Beyond that, I, I did, you know, I, I thought it was a collective team effort without anybody really necessarily standing out. I thought Phillips played well, defensive line generally I thought played pretty well. I thought Kohu played, you know, really well, apart from the big mistake at the end. Uh, McKinley played all right, I think. Uh, I thought Thomas Morstead punted really well, um, you know, especially given as though he almost got killed. Um, I agree with you on Jason Sanders. I thought the quarterback played well. You know, I just, yeah, it was a good team effort. It just wasn't enough, unfortunately. And, you know, like I said, at the very top before Chris joined, no cookies for finishing second.
2: Yeah, on um, Verone McKinley, I won't give him any flowers cuz he looked unathletic on that one run against Josh Allen and I'm sorry, our safeties can't look unathletic against Josh Allen. Uh, I mean, most can't people do. look
3: unathletic against Josh Allen, maybe.
2: Yeah, but Javon Holland was Javon Holland didn't look like, unathletic. He looked like he was a superior athlete with Josh Allen in the open field.
3: Yeah. Uh, to be fair, on that one play on that, you know, when Allen ripped off the 43-yarder or whatever, it was the 47-yarder, it was you know, there's a different kettle of fish and it? it's um Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're putting a lot on McKinley's shoulders. I think he played 73 snaps and yeah. a lot of single high. So, you know, and I mean, we didn't even mention him earlier on when we were talking about injured players, you know, in terms of, you know, I mean, because in that in that section when Holland, that, that driver and Holland was off the field, I think we had uh, Fajedalem and McKinley were our were our safeties and our yeah. corners were Crossan, Kohu and Howard, which is not ideal
2: no it's not yeah not ideal is the is a, a great way to put it chris any flowers you want to give out to anybody on this team
1: yeah i mean actually um i'm i'm gonna go straight back to the off because the the offense is what got turned around and what turned around the offense to me right away you know starting the first quarter was raheem Mostert and uh the performance that he had in this game they talked about it during during the game you know he was he took He took a lot of previous struggles on his on him himself um, and said that, you know, he's he's not hitting. He was not finding the lanes that he's supposed to be finding uh, or that he was not hitting the lanes that he was supposed to be hitting. And um, and you could see that he entered this this game. I mean, a few players entered this game clearly jazzed up to play a football game. And uh, he was one of them. And he was and he was a big one. He was a, a big controlling factor in that first half when we were staying competitive, it was so important to stay competitive in that first half, I think. Um, and, and he was a big factor in staying competitive in that first half, that first half. And I think that uh, he deserves, he deserves a lot of credit for that because he had a, he had a phenomenal game to me.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I can't believe we didn't even mention it, but Jalen Waddle, Buffalo bill killer <laughs> two 100 yard games against them. uh, uh, That touchdown was electric, okay? 67-yard touchdown. Uh, Good to see. Too bad they lost. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week. uh, Well, not next week. We're going to talk to you later this week as the the Packers are coming into town on Christmas Day at 1 o'clock. Back to our familiar stomping grounds. If you want to laugh a little bit, uh, I'll give you a little news. Uh, The forecast for the weather on Christmas Day in Miami is out. And it looks like it's going to be 48 degrees. (laughs) So we're going to have cold weather once again. So Dolphins are just going to be playing cold weather games the the rest of the season, it looks like.
1: Well, can we have the Chargers uh, send over their heaters?
2: (laughs) Yes. So it's going to be a cold and frigid Hard Rock Stadium on Sunday. We'll talk about it on Thursday. But till then.
0: Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy.
1: You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual
0: podcast provider.